0: Welcome to It's a Good Life podcast, where it's all about helping entrepreneurs think, feel and do better. Here's your host, Brian Buffini. Top of the morning to you and welcome to It's a Good Life. I'm excited to cover today's episode and a follow up episode with you on Thursday. Today we're going to talk about the DNA of an entrepreneur. I love being an entrepreneur. I love talking to entrepreneurs. And I hope this helps you think, feel, and do better as an entrepreneur. I have three major points for you today that may be confirming of who you are, reminder of what you need to get back to, or perhaps resolve to be more of in the future. You know, we're in an ever-changing market, ever-changing economy. we got inflation all over the world. We've got higher prices. We've got... um Recessions, even though you're not allowed to say that word anymore. And again, I've been very clear this recession doesn't scare me. It normally cleans things out. It's like a pressure cooker, but it's the old you don't know who's swimming naked until the tide goes out. There's an awful lot of businesses that the tide's about to go out. And so if you're an entrepreneur, you want to make sure you're not swimming naked. And so that's what this particular episode and, and next Thursday's episode are all about to help you succeed. In times of change. So three things that I really think define the DNA of an entrepreneur is possibility thinkers willing to take calculated risks and then your passion will play. And that's what we're going to talk about. Being a possibility thinker, what's possible is always that aspirational side of an entrepreneur. An entrepreneur has to be at the end of the day, someone who believes that the future can be better than today and that they can do something about it willing to take calculated risks. If you don't take calculated risks, you need to go get a job somewhere. And if you don't put calculations into your risk, you're going to be broke. And then ultimately, the reason to do it all is you have a passion for something, and you've heard the phrase, a passion play. Well, I'll say your passion will play. And that's what we're going to talk about. So first of all, I want to talk to you about what the definition of an entrepreneur is. It's an individual who creates a new business, bearing most of the risks and enjoying many of the rewards. And just so you know, it's disproportionate. You'll take far more risk than you do actually get rewards. And that's what it means to be an entrepreneur. It's someone who identifies a need in the marketplace and works to fulfill it. Historically applied to an individual who starts a business, seeing the ability to fulfill a need as an economic opportunity. And that's it. You find a need, you fill a need. And I'm going to do a series uh, for you on the DNA of a business and that really is going to get more and more into the nitty-gritty of how to find a need and how to fill a need and how a business functions accordingly. But that's what an entrepreneur does. Entrepreneurs are a big deal, are a big deal. What's important to understand about entrepreneurs is we don't have a lot of seats at a lot of tables. And the reason being is entrepreneurs are left, right, and center. Entrepreneurs don't vote in a certain block. They don't have a centralized power. And so because of that, we have organizations, whether it be the National Small Business Association, or we have uh, Chambers of Commerce and things like that. But at the end of the day, we are a very diverse group. I just recently had our Mastermind event, and I had 3,200 people in the room at the San Diego Convention Center. Fantastic event, great spirit, great energy. And I'm telling you, I had people from all kinds of different persuasions in life, of politics, of social perspectives, of economic perspectives. But yet every one of them share this common bond of someone who wants to grow, someone who wants to do better for themselves and their family and their communities. And you know what? There was no dissent. There was no offense. Nobody walks out because they got offended or demands a refund. It's never happened. Why? Because we focus on what binds us together. And in, under entrepreneurship, there's a common bond that we all have. And it is a big deal. We're a big deal. We're small, individual entrepreneurs that can build big businesses. But ultimately, most entrepreneurs have small businesses, and it represents 44% of, for example, the U.S. economy. So the largest economy in the world, 44% of it. Think about that. Almost half of the entire U.S. economy, the largest economy in the world, is small business people, but you never hear much talk about small business people because we don't have big political lobbies for the most part. We don't really account in anyone's political or socioeconomic power plays. But it's a big deal. It's the engine. It's it's everything. The SBA says there's 31.7 million small businesses. And by the way, that doesn't include the gig economy. That doesn't include side hustles. That doesn't include people who have a job and a business on the side. So it's just an enormous part of the working population. It's an enormous part of the economy. The SBA said, from 2000 to 2019, small businesses alone created 10.5 million net jobs. So compared to the jobs that were lost, and remember, during the pandemic, small businesses got hammered. Home Depot was open. Walmart was open. But small businesses got shut. Restaurants got shut. Small businesses got hammered with all the lockdowns. Big businesses did not. Think about that. And even with all that said, million net new jobs, almost 6 million brand new businesses created. So it's a big deal. I love entrepreneurs. I love people who are willing to take on the risk. I love people who are willing to bet on themselves. I love people who are willing to bet on an idea with such conviction, they're willing to put it all to the center of the table. And I also know there's a lot of risk. In year one, 20% of small businesses fail. It's 30% by year two. 50% by year five, and 70% of small businesses no longer exist after 10 years. I know, Debbie Downer, what's going on? In the real estate space where I came from, 87% of realtors don't make it past the five-year anniversary mark. So I am the patron saint of the lost cause. I love small business people. I'm a small business person my whole life. Obviously, I built big businesses as well. But the fact of the matter is, my business is built on championing small business. We have 22,000 members in our coaching and support systems. So we train tens of thousands more small businesses every year. And we have tens of thousands come through our seminars. So I am small business all the way. I come from it. My father was an independent contractor. He was a painter. His father was a painter. His father. So I come from five generations of small business owners. And so it's in my DNA. And I know it's in a lot of your DNAs too. So, the first dynamic is entrepreneurs are possibility thinkers. And the definition of that is an attitude about life that relies on taking realistic positive action to increase the likelihood of successful results. Love it. Albert Bandura did a study, and he's kind of the father of scientific psychology. And he said the best predictor of success is whether you believe you will succeed. Realistic optimists believe they'll succeed. But they also believe that you have to make success happen through effort, planning, persistence, and the right strategy. They give serious thought to how to deal with obstacles. This preparation only increases their confidence in their own ability to get things done. That was a study published by the Harvard Business Review. Brilliant stuff. Alan Cohn, great author, said, "A possibility thinker notices a problem just long enough to get excited about the solution." Melinda Gates. Was Bill Gates' wife and the co-founder of the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, one of the largest charitable institutions in the world. And she goes, Optimism isn't a belief that will automatically get better. It's a conviction that we can make things better. And I would say that's a key component for being an entrepreneur. You better have that conviction. Nelson Mandela said, part of being optimistic is keeping one head pointed towards the sun while one's feet moving forward. So you have that vision. You have that perspective, and then you got to put one foot in front of the other. You can't have your head in your clouds. I'm just going to do the vision, and you can't just put one foot in front of the other. I've seen both extremes with entrepreneurs, where they're so focused on the specific of the day-to-day, they're like a little mouse on the wheel running all the time. I've also seen people who have big business plans and great visions, and they spend all their time out in the future, and they don't do the things to get the business up and running and making a profit. And so you've got to have a bit of both. You've got to have your head pointed toward the sun, as Mandela said, while keeping your feet moving forward. The next thing an entrepreneur's DNA reflects is a creative problem solver. you got to be a creative problem solver. This is a way of solving problems when conventional thinking has failed. It helps you find new perspectives and innovative solutions so you can build a plan to overcome challenges and reach your goals. Entrepreneurs are creative problem solvers. You know, I've been involved in a number of different transactions lately, and I'm dealing with some people that were not able to come up with solutions at all. And I'm going to say this, I don't think those people are going to survive the recession. When things are easy, when stuff's flying off the shelf, when people are buying readily and there's not a lot of obstacles involved or objections involved, it's easy to make a sale. A turkey can fly in a hurricane, but when the wind stops blowing, you better be a creative problem solver. One of the things that's interesting for me, growing up in Ireland, I had a Christian brother teacher, and I had some really good ones, and I had a couple of doofuses. And one doofus in particular told me, Brian Buffini, you're not a very creative person. And the reason he said that is that I didn't have the prettiest of handwriting. (laughs) Pretty interesting for a guy who, in the last 30 years, has sold about, let me see, somewhere around 250 million. And one of the reasons for that is because I write personal notes all the time. And uh, if you've ever listened to any of my broadcasts in the past or presentations in the past, I'm a big believer in personal notes as part of my overall business strategy. The fact of the matter is, I might not have the best handwriting, but I'm actually a pretty creative guy. And I saw that happen in business, where I would use my creativity to come up with solutions. And the solutions are this. We're going to make this work. We're going to figure out how. I don't know what to do right now, but I know what we are going to do. We're going to make this work and then we're going to figure it out. And that's what entrepreneurs do, and that's what we think about. And we're going to put a creative solution, and sometimes we're going to put a creative solution together, and then systemize it into a product or service, so it can be duplicated again. Albert Einstein said, we cannot solve our problems with the same thinking we use to create them. Richard Branson said, critical thinking is the key to creative problem solving. More on him later. Charles Swindoll, one of my favorite authors and speakers says we're all faced with a series of great opportunities brilliantly disguised as impossible solutions if you find yourself in a situation where you're just uh as a problem come up and you're like I'm, i don't know what to do and i see people who do this all the time my kids do this all the time you know dad what do i do sometimes i've made the mistake of figuring it out for them but when i'm really parenting properly i go well what are your thoughts what's another way to work at this how could we fix this and when you ask questions, probing questions over and over again, when a person comes up with a solution, they really get it figured out. The last piece I want to say on this as the DNA of an entrepreneur is that you need to be a combination of Pollyanna and Freddy Krueger. That's really the greatest mindsets you can have. Now, Pollyanna, right, in the famous Eleanor Porter children's story, and then if you remember back into the 60s, it was a Disney movie with Haley Mills. She's just someone who is consistently and excessively optimistic about all things. She used to talk about the glad game, where you find something to be glad about in every situation. People will say to you, oh, you're just Pollyanna. You know, Pollyanna is someone who's so hopelessly optimistic, they're not rooted in reality many times. But I will say to you, you have to be Pollyanna to be an entrepreneur. You have to believe in the best of the future. You have to believe in the best of people. Like if I do this service, people are going to pay and appreciate it. If I serve people this way, they're going to be so happy with what I do, they're going to tell their friends. You have to believe in the future. One of the challenges I'm going to lay down for you today is that if you want to fulfill your Pollyanna nature, which needs to be in the DNA of every entrepreneur, you need to shut off the news. You want to watch stats? You want to find out some stuff? Do. But if you're rotisserizing, On your particular drug of choice, if you're a leftist and you're watching MSNBC and you're a rightist, you're watching Fox and don't be, oh, I'm not right, I just do this. I'm not left, I just do this. And we rotissarize and rotissarize and rotissarize. Let me say this. There is none of those channels are going to feed your inner Pollyanna. What they're going to make you feel like, and like right now, 78% of people believe the country's going in the wrong direction. The world's going in the wrong direction. People are starting to feel a sense of hopelessness let me tell you this, that is not how an entrepreneur needs to think. How in the world can you build a business for a future that's falling apart? How in the world can you build a business for a climate that's going to be destroyed, for people that are going to be destroyed, that for people who are going to destroy the country and destroy the democracy and destroy... You watch that stuff all day long, your inner Pollyanna will die, and with it will be the hopes and dreams of your business. You have to believe in the best of the future. Now, you also have to have a strength that comes with that. That's Freddy Krueger. Now, I've never really watched the Freddy Krueger movies, but Freddy Krueger is this horror movie, and all I know about Freddy Krueger is he's hard to kill. And my favorite image I've ever seen of Freddy Krueger is not some ugly dude in a horror movie with a hat on, but of a grave site where Freddy Krueger's dead and buried and at the last glimpse in the movie, his hand pops up through the dirt. Well, I can tell you this I've had dirt thrown on my face in my businesses for 36 years. And the fact of the matter is, you have to be like Freddy Krueger, which is you're just hard to kill. You want to have the relentless positivity of Pollyanna, but you want to be like Freddy Krueger, just never, never quit. And I've experienced this, I've lived this, I've been. Involved in this personally, on so many different occasions, in so many different businesses, and again today, you know, I, I like I said, just finished an event and thirty two hundred people out there. It was sold out at the convention center, and people come and jeez, everything's just so easy for Brian and sells out everywhere he goes, and the podcast exploded, and everything's just great, and the coaching is all fantastic. Let me say this: in the twenty six years of Buffini and Company's existence i say at least on three occasions it came within a narrow margin of closing its doors. At least three that I know of. Maybe there was more, and I've just kind of forgotten about it. The fact of the matter is that's part and parcel being an entrepreneur. I used to draw what looked like a circular W on a line to describe entrepreneurship. People say, what is that? And I go, that's because your butt's on the line. That's what it means to be an entrepreneur. If you're really going to do it, and you have to have that combination of Pollyanna I think the future's going to be better. My life can be better. My clients will appreciate it. My clients will refer me. Customers will tell their friends. My brand will grow. And then I've got to be tough like Freddy Krueger that no matter how much, the banks might throw dirt on your face. The market might throw dirt on your face. Inflation, a recession might throw dirt on your face. And you're dead and you're dead. But at the last minute, the hand comes up out of the grave. Not so fast, my friends. The rumors of my demise have been greatly exaggerated. Pollyanna, and Freddie Krueger. Sylvester Sloan, remember in, in his last Rocky Balboa, he said, it's about how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward, how much you can take and keep moving forward. Abe Lincoln said, we can complain because rose bushes have thorns, or rejoice because thorns have roses. And James Branch uh, Cabal said, the optimist proclaims that we live in the best of all worlds. The pessimist fears that this is true. Fair enough. Well, the fact of the matter is, we have to understand that in order to be a great entrepreneur, we have to be possibility thinkers, creative problem solvers, have a positive mindset like Pollyanna, and survive like Freddy Krueger. And a great example of that would be Sir Richard Branson. He's, you know, this swashbuckling Brit, you know, and he does all these remarkable promotional things. But his, his dynamic he was born in 1950, so he's 72 now. He launches his first student mag, his business. At 16 years old, he got 100 pounds sterling from his mum, and he started his first business, right? So he's an entrepreneur. He opens five years later, okay? So he's 21 years old, and he opens his first record shop on Oxford Street. A year later, he launches Virgin Records. Now, for those of you who are a bit younger, you might not know this, but for those of us, Virgin Records or Golden Discs, those were the two big stores. And when there was a new song coming out, you stood in line which our buddies certainly in Ireland freezing our butts off waiting for the latest Duran Duran record or Michael Jackson off the wall i remember standing in line for that freezing me tush off waiting to hear that billy jean was not his lover okay so at uh, 23 branson makes his first million okay he signed uh, deals with the sex pistols and paula abdul probably the first time those two people have been mentioned in the same sentence 11 years later He parlays his success in a record business. Keeps innovating, keeps creating, keeps possibility thinking, keeps practical optimism, and he opens uh, an airline. Now, you would think, now what in the world? But that's how entrepreneurs create. Entrepreneurs create and use the funding from the profits of the record stores to get that up and going. And uh, Virgin had its first flight in London to New York City in 1984. So by 85, he launches Virgin Holidays, which was his own travel agency, right, to go along with the airline. In 87, as a promoter, now here he is, he's promoting relentlessly. We'll talk more about that in upcoming episodes. He set a record crossing the Atlantic in a hot air balloon. It's a tremendous possibilities, right? Tremendous promotion. The Virgin Megastars were launched in 88. He makes his first billion in 1991. So 20 years after he opened up a shop on Oxford Street, he was a billionaire. In 1992, now it's not all plain sailing, and this is what's really important. This is the Freddy Krueger stuff. In 1992, he sells Virgin Records for 500 million sterling to save Virgin Atlantic. So the airline is struggling. He decides what's his priority, his baby, what brought him to prominence. He saw changes in the market. He saw changes in how records were being bought and sold. He saw future technologies. He thought his future was far more with the airline, so he sells the record store to fund the airline. They say he cried when he signed the deal. And just so you know, that's how it is. It's your baby. It's your business. He's poured heart and soul into this sucker. Late nights, early mornings, every spare dollar he has, it made him who he was. And yet, in order for the greater good of the business, he sold his baby business, which was now 500 million sterling, to keep the other business open. In 93, he never lost the music piece, so he launches Virgin Radio. A year later, Virgin Vodka. The year after that, Virgin Direct Personal Financial Services. Two years later, Virgin Trains and Virgin Cosmetics. In 99, Virgin Mobile. He keeps opening up. By 2003, he's knighted by the Queen for his entrepreneurship. Okay? I mean, now he's Sir Richard Branson. Pretty amazing. 33 years in. In 2006, he sells Virgin Mobile, a business he built up for $960 million. He launches Virgin America, another airline, in 2007, right before the Great Big Recession. Launches 2008 Virgin Healthcare, Virgin Racing, Formula One, you know, Virgin Gaming, Virgin everything. He's a serial entrepreneur. So he keeps building. He keeps growing. By 2019, the trains aren't doing good, and he has to close it down. This is only a few years ago. He still goes on and on. In 2021, he goes to space on a test flight, right? So now he's doing virgin space. So here's what we see. Possibility thinker, practical optimism, creative problem solver, Pollyanna and Freddy Krueger. It hasn't been a straight line for Richard Branson. It wasn't a direct flight to the moon. There were times up and down, in and out. He was fighting for his life, selling off businesses to keep funding other businesses. But at the end of the day, you have a rich legacy. And now in his 70s, he's a billionaire with great influence all over the world. Maybe you and I will never start that many businesses. But the truth of the matter is, it's in the DNA. The next piece that's very important is you have to be willing to take calculated risks. You know, risk is essential. Nick Vucic says, risk is not just part of life, it is life. General George Patton said, take calculated risks. That is quite different from being rash. So what does that mean? As an entrepreneur, you've got to listen to your gut. As an entrepreneur, you've got to trust your instincts. And as an entrepreneur, you've got to put a plan together. you got to build a forecast. you got to have somebody look at it who say you're full of crap. you got to have people give you feedback and say, I don't think that's a good idea. Now, I want you to know that I've done all this and I've had to listen to people and ignore them. And I've had to listen to people and refine my plan. You have to know who to listen to and when. And ultimately, that strength of conviction you have, it's never totally safe to be an entrepreneur, and it never will be. My wife is the least entrepreneurial type person in the world. Her dad and her mom both had jobs. She had a job. She thinks I'm some kind of -of out-of-body alien where I have all these businesses and done all these things. Now, she measures me out and balances me out, but at the end of the day, It's just not in her nature to take risks. It is in my nature. And the older I've gotten, I've gotten, because I have more to lose, I take more calculated risks all the time. But risks are still where it's at, and entrepreneurs are not afraid of risk. Entrepreneurs are afraid of the status quo, because when you're in status quo, you know you're already in decline. Time Sullivan, well-known CEO, says, to be an effective entrepreneur, you have to untrain yourself to do what everyone else is doing. We were taught in school and corporate America to stay in line and follow the playbook. You have to fight that muscle memory and follow your instinct. What you know to be a calculated risk. That's what you got to take. The next piece is that blind leaps end in disaster. So we want to be bold, but not reckless. So we want to take risk, but not blind leaps. Warren Buffett said risk comes from not knowing what you're doing. So the more you study, the more you research, the more you plan, the lower the risk is. Alexander Graham Bell said, before anything else, preparation is the key for success. And Zig Ziglar said, success occurs when opportunity meets preparation. And I will say this, I prepare, I research, I do my homework, and then I go. And then I go. You have to test things out. You have to try things out. You have to see what works. Don't put it all in on the test, but then you've got to go do stuff. And I, I as I, I run an organization, and I'll be honest with you, it's a 27-year-old business now. And I have most of the people who work for me are afraid of me because I take risks and I come up with ideas. And they're like, oh no, don't destabilize us. And they don't understand that the reason they have a job is because I destabilize them fairly regularly. Like every couple of years, here's an innovation. Here's what we should do. Here's how we should do it. And I have to fight my own organization to do it. And it's okay because they're promise keepers. They're doing a great job in servicing the customers and doing a great job and following on all the promises. And when I come up with the what, they initially think how, how are we going to do that? How's our IT going to work? How's our accounting going to work? How, is, how do we support that? And those are all the proper questions, but there's no point in having a how if you don't know what you're trying to pursue. And if you don't innovate, if you don't create, and if you don't move forward, you're going to get left behind. The last piece to this is your plan in pencil. Your plan in pencil. Now, Andy Stanley will say, pencil in your plans, but write your visions in ink. Brian Tracy said, be clear about your goal, but be flexible about the process of achieving it. And lastly, an unbending tree is easily broken. So we need to have some flexibility. Otherwise, we end up in serious, serious trouble. Well, I've shared with you a lot of stuff today that I think you'll like. We've covered the DNA of an entrepreneur. I'm an entrepreneur. Many of you listen are an entrepreneur. Some of you want to be an entrepreneur in the future. It's not easy. It's not for the faint of heart. you got to have Pollyanna and Freddy Krueger in you. But at the end of the day, if you really have a desire and an ambition to build your own business, there's just nothing like it. Whether it's a side hustle, whether it's your primary passion, there's nothing like it. And what I want to do is come back and, and talk to you on Thursday. I want to talk to you about how passion plays a huge part in your success. It's why it makes it such a joy. It makes it while you're willing to do the difficult things and suffer on. Pollyanna and Freddy Krueger both come to life in your passion and I'm going to share with you also some of my things I've learned the hard way and one of the reasons I feel equipped to share I know I've owned lots and lots of businesses and made lots and lots of money thank God but I've learned far more from my failures than I have from my successes so on Thursday I'm going to share with you kind of my top 10 wall of shame business mistakes and what I learned from those and how they ultimately have helped me become the entrepreneur and business person I am today so tune in. On Thursday, I'm going to do the DNA of an entrepreneur part two. I'll tell you some of my own stories and I'll help you along with maybe some of the challenges you're facing or some of the mistakes you made and how you can turn those things into your fortune. And one of the people that's helped me be both Freddy Krueger and Pollyanna is the influence of my 91-year-old mother, Therese Buffini, who's been in my corner from day one. She's a sweetheart of a gal. I got a chance to talk to her this morning. And she is Pollyanna, and she is Freddy Krueger. And uh, she's still fighting hard every single day. And that's the DNA of an entrepreneur. My dad was the business guy that taught me how to be self-employed. My mom gave me the juice to do it well. So tune in next uh, Thursday. I want to finish this conversation with you. We have a great chat about the DNA of an entrepreneur. Until then, let me leave you with a little Irish blessing from a ferocious little entrepreneur herself, Therese Buffini. We'll catch you next time. Made the road rise up to meet you and may the wind always be at your back may the rain fall soft upon your fields and the sun shine warm upon your face and until we meet again may god hold you in the hollow of his hand see you next time